Welcome to Advancing Word with Dr. T.D. Stubblefield. In chapter 55 of Isaiah, verse 11, God tells the prophet, So will my word be which goes out of my mouth. It will not return to me void without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. Standing on this promise, T.D. Stubblefield Ministries is committed to sharing biblical principles with individuals, families, churches, communities, and our world, believing that only the Word of God can advance us in God's perfect plan for our lives, where we can experience liberating faith, lasting hope, and unconditional love in a relationship with the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Dr. T.D. Stubblefield with today's Advancing Word. There is a passage the Lord has put in my spirit from the Gospel of John, chapter 11, verses 1 through 7. We'll be reading from the King James Version. It reads, Now a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sisters sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. When he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. Then after that, saith he to his disciples, let us go into Judea again. Amen. Amen. May the Lord bless his word. I want to preach about when Jesus shows up. The raising of Lazarus from the dead is the seventh and perhaps greatest sign performed by our Lord in the Gospel of John. There were others. Jesus transformed water into wine. He healed a nobleman's son. Healed a cripple. He fed 5,000 men, not counting women and children. He calmed a storm at sea. And he healed a man born blind from his birth. These signs are calling cards. They are insignia, specifically intended to validate and reinforce the reality that Jesus is God. This gospel begins with the sweeping prologue that says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and the same was in the beginning with God. And lest we be confused about who that word is, later in that same chapter it says and the word was made flesh. There is a reality or a sense in which we can say the fourth gospel records how Jesus showed up in this world. He showed up in this world to make a difference in your life and in mine. And the wonderful news for all of us today is that he's still showing up. The gospel is very selective in the material that it chooses 
And the writer issues a disclaimer at the very end of the gospel, says there were so many other things which Jesus did. If they were written, every one of them, the world itself could not contain the books that would be required for that narrative. It's kind of like saying that if we stopped this morning and allowed each of you to have a testimony just to tell about what God has done in your life. I don't believe there'd be enough time here today to accommodate the response. This momentous passage is perhaps the most compelling reminder in all of scripture that Jesus shows up. In the most difficult of circumstances, he shows up. And so when I looked at the text through those lenses, I found as I moved through the corridors and contours of this chapter that there are four ways in which Jesus shows up. They're all in the text. Are you interested in what they are? Jesus shows up in the first instance, in our problems. He shows up in our problems. You're saying, Pastor, that's not a stretch. I believe that. That's just intuitive. We acknowledge that, but we live in a day when this gospel is preached in some ways to insinuate or to infer that it's not appropriate to mention Jesus and problems in the same sentence. That somehow if you have Jesus in your life, you won't have any problems. And if you have problems or challenges, or you're going through a difficult time, it must be because you don't have the faith. And Jesus is really not a part of your life. This passage reminds us that the child of God does not receive an exemption from struggle. We do not receive some waiver or some pass from problems. And so it's good to know that when problems come, problems will come, but I'm so happy to report that Jesus shows up in our problems. The Bible says that Lazarus, whom Jesus loved, was sick. I don't want you to miss the point that it identifies Lazarus as the object of Jesus' love. So there is a paradox about this statement. And all a paradox is, is a statement or an affirmation that has some absurdity to it, some contradiction, some disconnect between the truth and the reality. But this text reminds us that Jesus, our Lord and Savior, the one who died on Calvary for our sin, he shows up in the midst of our problems. You know, one of the most difficult questions I'm asked as a pastor is why? It's a difficult question when someone is facing a tragedy or trial, and there's some significant level of 
incomprehension around the situation, the circumstances. And the question is asked, why? Why me? Why, why this? Why now? I can't, in these circumstances, presume to know the answer. But I can tell them that Jesus still shows up in the midst of our problems. Much of the book of Job is about how he experienced one loss after another. And there were moments in his journey when he asked God why. God never answers his question. He asks more questions. But I'm encouraged because at the end of the book of Job, God shows up and reminds us that Job's latter end, when, when he got through all of his stuff, when his troubles were over, somehow God fixed it so. Can't he fix it? He fixed it so his latter end was better than his former end. There is this tension in the Christian life. There is this tension between what we're going through and, and the confidence that God is with us. The Apostle Paul was called to defend his ministry. And in the language of paradox, he said, we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the power may be of God and not of ourselves. And then he continued on with this language of paradox. Listen to him in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. He says, we are troubled on every side, yet we're not distressed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast now, but not destroyed. Jesus shows up in the midst of our problems. But the text also reminds us he shows up in our prayers. He shows up in our prayers. Prayer is not so much explicit in this text. It's implicit. It's implied in the passage before us. You know all prayer is is an urgent SOS. All prayer is is a 911 call. And I don't know if you see it in the text. I see it. When Lazarus became gravely ill, the sisters hit 911. The 911 is this, is that they sent a message to Jesus. You want to know what prayer is? Prayer is when you have a problem and you can't fix it. And you sin. You tried and you tried. You cried and you cried. And you can't fix it. And you send the message to Jesus. You call on him. And you tell him about the problem. I love the way the sisters framed this message. They said, the one whom you love is sick. We can all frame our messages that way. Because I'm here to tell you that God loves you. He's not forgotten about you. He's not left you alone. If you are going through something, he loves you today. And you can fall on your knees. Stretch out if you have to. And say the one you love is sick. 
The one you died for is sick. The one you came down through 42 generations for is sick. The one you hung on Calvary for is sick. When you uncover the text, it tells us more about this SOS. See, they knew where he was. They sent the message to the right place. And then when they prayed or when they sent this message, they believed he would come. They, they had a sense that if he got the message, he would come. Now, if the sisters were here this morning, they would clarify something. Since the Lord delayed his coming, they would stand up and tell you, Mary and Martha would say to you, he may not come when you want him. But he's always. We have our timetable. We have our time. We want him to fix it and fix it now. He may not come when you want him, but I'm telling you, he's always on time. They knew where he was. They knew he would come. And the other thing that's so important when we pray is that you got to know he's able. Is there anybody here this morning that believe he's able? believe there's nothing too hard for God. There's nothing too hard for him. He can fix anything. And then this is the point. If he doesn't fix it, he'll fix you. <laughs> See, sometimes we, we think the blessing is fix it, Lord. Straighten it out. Straighten them out. Straighten this out. Straighten that out. Sometimes the Lord don't have to go no further than to straighten you and me out. And when he straightened us out, we can handle whatever it is. Whatever it is we are going through. You call on him, he will answer. They sent a message to Jesus and he showed up. But he shows up too in the midst of our perspectives. When Jesus received the message that Lazarus was sick, he first told his disciples, he says, now this sickness is not unto death. We all know that Lazarus died before Jesus showed up. But when Jesus positioned it to his disciples, he says, he's not dead. He's just asleep. In other words, he tried to renovate, to, to change their perspective. As they struggle with this whole notion of, of Lazarus sleeping, the Lord said to them, He's dead. But when he said that, he meant he's physically dead. He shows up and Lazarus has been put in the tomb. One way God blesses us is that he changes the way we look at our stuff. This sleep conception or this sleep reality is not new. The psalmist said, 
that I will be satisfied when I awake in your likeness. Paul picks up on this same theme when he says that we should sorrow not for those who are asleep. He was talking about people who had died and gone on to be with the Lord, but Paul said it's asleep. And sleep is something you wake out of. Well, when we die in the Lord, all we really do is go to sleep. When I go to sleep in Jesus' arms, I don't have to set an alarm clock. I don't need to put a timer on because the Bible says that at the voice of the archangel and the trump of God, the dead in Christ will rise for Jesus will set the alarm. But one of these days, I'm going to go into my room the last time and I'm going to go to sleep. But, but it's not a sleep forever. I'm going to wake up. You, you see, your perspective will help you through your storm. You know, those of you who are reading the Bible through in one year with me, you know we're in the book of Acts this week or this past week. I was moved when I read about how Peter in chapter 12 slept in prison. Now, some of the apostles had already been executed, and yet he wasn't wearied. See, to me, the real deliverance was not so much when the doors were flung open by the angelic guards and he walked out with them, but rather when he was so at peace, when he was so at home, even in a prison cell, that he could go to sleep knowing that God had his back, knowing that God had it under control. You see, you can sleep in the midst of a storm when you know the Lord has your back. When you, like David, can say, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. I don't know what you're going through this morning, but I'm telling you, change your perspective. If God don't move the mountain, he'll give you some strength to climb on anyhow. When you go through some storms, when you go through some trials, you will know that God shows up. When you're willing to change your perspective, believe that God is in control of your life. He will give you what you need because he shows up in our prayers. He shows up in our perspectives. He shows up in our problems. But lest I keep you too long, he shows up in our prisons. When Jesus arrives at the tomb, Lazarus has already been in there a while. Now you need to understand in this culture, they place stones at the front of tombs because the concern was to keep the entrance secure from predators. It was a way of making sacred the resting place of a loved one. When Jesus looks at a rock, he's not worried so much about something getting in, 
but his concern is about that which comes out. What I'm telling you today is that many of us, we are in tunes of our own making. Sometimes they're made by our circumstances. Grief can become a tomb. Disappointment can become a tomb. Habitual sin can become a tomb. Failure can become a tomb. But I know somebody that can step up in front of your situation. And he's so good at what he does. Let me tell you how good he is. If he had just walked up to the tomb and said, come forth, everybody in the cemetery would have got up that day. But he walked up and said, Lazarus, come forth. And if you feel trapped, if you feel locked down and locked in a situation, if you feel like there's no more hope and your dreams have been dashed, if you feel like you can't go on, if you're crying when you go to sleep and crying when you wake up, I stop by to tell you that Jesus will show up and there's no rock too big. There's no mountain too high. There's no problem too wide. There's no valley too low. When he shows up uh, some 2,000 years ago, uh, Jesus showed up. Uh, uh, didn't he do it? Uh, came down uh, through 42 generations uh, and he walked this mundane show. Uh, but one Friday he showed up uh, to a hill called Calvary. Uh, put a cross on his shoulder and on that And your sin was paid. Uh, and he showed up uh, when he got through dying. Uh, they put him in a borrowed tomb. Uh, but I got good news. Uh, got good news. Early Sunday morning, uh, he got up. Uh, didn't he get up? Uh, he got up with all power in his hands. Uh, and if he got up, uh, uh, you can get up. Uh, and you can get up. Uh, I don't care uh, what you're going situation and say get up child get up from your sorrow get up from your disappointment get up from your pain get up from that bad relationship is he able is he able is there anybody here he showed up for I tell you he'll show up when nobody else will he'll show up when you can't call mama he'll show up when your job is gone show up when the doctor say no. He'll show up. He'll show up. He'll show up. He'll show up. In our problems, in our prayers, in our perspectives, and in our prisons, he'll show up. You have been listening to Advancing Word with Dr. T.D. Stubblefield. We pray that you have been encouraged with what your ears have heard and your hearts have felt. Explore our website at tdstubblefield.org. 
For more information about us and to obtain resources provided by TD Stubblefield Ministries. Until next time, be blessed and remember to stop stressing and start stepping, advancing in faith, hope, and love by reading and applying the Word of God so you can stand on certain truth for uncertain times.